0: I believe every Christian should ask this question. Have you been positioned where you are for such a time as this? Look around you. You know, our stories may not be as epic as Esther's, but if you are a believer in Christ, you have been providentially positioned. So ask yourself, why am I here for such a time as this?
1: It's hard to believe we're in the middle of March, and it's at this time of year Jewish people all around the world are observing the festival of Purim. Today on the program we're going to celebrate Purim by retelling the story of Esther and God's deliverance of the Jewish people. And we'll be highlighting a resource that explains Purim and all the Jewish feasts of Israel. So stick around. This is the Friends of Israel today. I'm Steve Conover.
0: And I'm Chris Katolka. And as Steve said, we're gonna be looking at Purim and we're gonna be talking about two major aspects that we can pull from the book of Esther. That's the persecution of the Jewish people and the perseverance of Esther. And it's under the umbrella of the providence of God. And then apples of gold. So this week I was reading in the Times of Israel an article that was talking about how the unemployment rate in the Palestinian territories hovers around 27 percent. And that's why Israeli venture capitalist Yadin Kaufman invested in a program called the Palestinian Internship Program. And this program helps to give skilled Palestinians experience working among tech companies in Israel. Many Palestinians are graduating university with technical degrees, but when they come out of college, when they come out of university, they find it hard to land a job. So Kaufman's firm is really the first Israeli venture capital firm to invest in an untapped market of potential Palestinian startups. This is great news because, see, Israelis on both sides of the aisle know that a better Palestinian economy is one way to tear down those walls of animosity that exist between the Israelis and Palestinians. And and this cooperation between Kaufman's investment firm and the Palestinian internship program is definitely a good start to building peace from the ground up. So a few years back, I was traveling to Israel, and it was toward the end of February. And after we landed, we decided to head out to Tel Aviv to grab some lunch and to see a bit of the city. When we arrived in Tel Aviv, the streets were packed with people, and, and these people w- were dressed up in costumes, and they were celebrating. And it took me a moment to, to, to realize what was going on, but finally it hit me that we landed in Israel on Purim, a- and Purim in Israel is a national celebration, and the Israelis really know how to have fun during Purim and, 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 to, and to celebrate this joyous moment in their history, in, in Jewish history. You know, It's a celebration, Purim is a celebration that marks when God delivered the Jewish people from the persecution of Haman in the book of Esther, and how Esther and the Jewish people persevered. At the end of the book of Esther, it actually says that the Jewish people made it a custom to honor the day they were delivered from destruction, and they call that day Purim. So let's take a look at this story in the book of Esther in honor of Purim this weekend, There are two important items that come out of the book of Esther. The first that we're going to look at is this idea of persecution, the persecution of the Jewish people that can be seen in this story. And then we're going to look at how they persevered through this persecution. Yet what I want you to see is the overarching message. And when we're talking about persecution and the perseverance of the Jewish people, the the major thing that's woven in and out of this story is the providence of God. And yet God's name is never mentioned in the book of Esther. It's the only book in the Bible where God's name isn't mentioned, and yet it's important to understand that his providential hand, despite his name never being mentioned, is always accomplishing his will. In some way, the book of Esther reminds us that nothing is secular. Even when God's name is not mentioned, he's still there. Uh, You know, he's there in your education when you go to university to study. uh, And even though God's name isn't mentioned, uh, God is still moving. Or in your career, if God's name is never mentioned, God is still moving. He is still present in our culture. We can often say that we live in a godless culture. But the reality is, is that even though his name might not be spoken out loud, he's still there. And he's even there in politics. There are some places in the world where God's name is literally outlawed. Yet God is providentially pushing his story forward. The book of Esther is a reminder that nothing is secular. God is always pushing his story forward. And Purim begins with two characters and their rise to fame and power. The first character is really a story of rags to riches, and her name is Esther, Esther is Jewish and her Hebrew name is Hadassah. She grew up in Persia with her uncle Mordecai. The king of Persia had a contest to find a new wife and invited the single women of Persia to come and participate and after several months, Esther was given permission to go before the king. The Bible says that Esther was lovely to look at and she won favor with everyone who saw her. So it's really no surprise the story of Esther is building in a way to show you that the king couldn't help but choose Esther as queen. So just as Esther was enjoying her newfound position, another character in the story comes to uh, appear, and his name is Haman. Haman was promoted to become what we would know today as the prime minister of Persia. He was set above all the other officials of the land, and his newfound position put him in a place of power, and as you know, power can be very dangerous when it's in the wrong hands. So these two stories, Esther and Haman, They parallel one another throughout the book of Esther until the two meet and their stories collide. After Haman was promoted, the king of Persia commanded all his servants to bow down to him, but Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman. Mordecai refused to pay homage because Mordecai's Jewish, and Jewish people don't worship men or any created thing. They only bow down and worship the creator God of the universe. Mordecai's refusal to pay homage to Haman really ripped Haman apart. It, his, his pride took control of Haman, and, and Haman needed to know why Mordecai refused to bow down to him, and it came out because he was a Jew. So listen to what Esther chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, "...and when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone." So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, the fact that Mordecai was Jewish, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, which is the the king of Persia. Because, think about this, because Mordecai, the Jew, refuses to bow, all Jews must be destroyed. Talk about anti-Semitism. Haman was scared that there was a whole group of Jewish people spread throughout the Persian empire that wouldn't bow down to him. So what did he do? He approached the king of Persia and told him that there's a group of people who don't follow the king's laws and they must be destroyed, all of them. Folks, this is called anti-Semitism, and Haman wasn't the first person to hate the Israelites or the Jewish people. There was already a laundry list of Jewish persecution dating back to the Egyptians and the Assyrians and Babylonians and many more. This is nothing new. Even today, hatred of the Jewish people is still alive and well. Styled after Haman's threats to destroy the Jewish people, think about this, was Hitler's uh, campaign to rid the world of of the Jew. Sadly, he was able to systematically exterminate, Hitler was able to systematically exterminate six million Jewish people. Only 70 years ago. By today, you would think we would have learned our lesson, but we haven't. We just had Soren Kern on recently a couple episodes back, and he was talking about the persecution and targeting of Jewish people that's on the rise all around the globe, especially in Europe. Why? Why does anti-Semitism still exist after a millennia? Well, here's what I believe Satan seeks to destroy what God values. Folks, let me repeat that. Satan seeks to destroy what God values. God values the Jewish people because he purposed them to be the bearers of truth by not only allowing them to be the conduit for giving the world his law from the Old Testament, but through them came the Savior of the world, Jesus the Messiah, and the promise of the new covenant. God's purpose for Israel remains vital today as much as it did during the days of Esther. This is the reason we see the never-ending persecution of Israel and the Jewish people because Satan seeks to destroy what God values. And the same could be said of the church today. God values the church. We are the bride of Christ. The church has been purposed to be the bearers of truth by sharing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is starving for truth. See, our mission runs contrary to Satan's mission, and so he's working hard to destroy What God values. The persecution of the church is a part of our history and our identity. Almost all of the apostles suffered persecution. Church saints throughout history suffered for holding fast to the name of Jesus. And even today, followers of Jesus are martyred for their faith in Christ. Why? Because Satan seeks to destroy what God values. Now, Esther and Haman have something very in common that I was able to pick up as I was was rereading through the story of Esther. As they both are rising to positions of power, they both neglect to use the word Jew. For Esther, Mordecai encouraged Esther not to tell the king when she became queen or anybody that she was Jewish. So she hid her heritage and her faith from her husband, the king. And Haman, he's not Jewish, but when he tells the king of Persia about the people who refused to follow his laws... Guess what? He neglects to use the fact that they were Jewish. He only calls them a certain people. So both Esther and Haman were hiding important facts from the king. When Mordecai hears that Haman was out to destroy the Jewish people, he approaches Esther to tell the king Haman's plan. But you know, Esther was scared to death. She had every right to be you know esther can't just go barging into the king's presence she needed permission so mordecai said to her these famous words that i believe bind our two ideas of persecution and perseverance under the providence of god and that's this listen to esther chapter 4 verses 13 and 14. do not think esther to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than any other of the jews For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Here, the stories of Esther and Haman collide. The stories of good and evil While Satan was working to target and persecute the Jewish people to have them destroyed, God was working for such a time as this to make sure Esther, the Jewish queen of Persia, was positioned to stop Haman. I believe every Christian should ask this question. Have you been positioned where you are for such a time as this? Look around you. You know, our stories may not be as epic as Esther's, but if you are a believer in Christ, you have been providentially positioned. So ask yourself, why am I here for such a time as this? Now when we return, we're gonna see this hinge moment in the story and how it leads us from persecution to perseverance. So stick around.
1: is the most joyous of all holidays for the Jewish people. It's a reminder of God's protection over Israel. You can find out more about not only Purim, but many other Jewish holidays in Bruce Scott's book, The Feasts of Israel.
0: Chris, why do you think our listeners should purchase this book? Yeah, well, much of what Jesus said and did requires us to know Jewish holidays that span way back to Leviticus chapter 23. And that can be hard for us to know and understand. But reading the Feast of Israel will give any reader the ability to see how Jesus used the Jewish festivals to bring to life his ministry in the Gospels. See the
1: intricate spiritual tapestry woven by the hand of God, a tapestry illustrating the marvelous plan of salvation that he has designed. Order your copy of the Feasts of Israel for only nine ninety-five plus shipping and handling at foiradio.org or by calling our listener line at 888 343 6940.
0: Welcome back, everybody. We've been journeying through the story of Esther together in honor of the Jewish celebration of Purim. And it's considered a celebration because it marks that heroic moment in history when the Jewish people were delivered in God's providence from destruction. We were just talking about how Mordecai, who was confident in God's deliverance of the Jewish people, encouraged Esther to see that maybe, just maybe, she was positioned by God to be the queen of Persia for such a time as this, to deliver her people from persecution and destruction. And it wasn't an easy decision for Esther to make, but she chose to stand up and persevere. She would use her newfound position as queen to save her people from destruction. But the way that she does it always shocks me. You know, when Esther approaches her husband, the king, to talk about Haman's plan to kill all the Jewish people, I'm always surprised by the way she handles herself. With such important news, I would expect her to scream, "Uh, Haman wants to destroy my people, the Jewish people, help, help. But she doesn't. Instead, she calmly invites her husband, the king, and Haman to a banquet. Now, some people believe she did this because she got scared in that moment. And other people believe that she knew the way to a man's heart was through his stomach. So she was buttering up the king by inviting him to dinner. And I'll tell you, um, you know, both could be true. But I believe Esther chose to persevere In the face of persecution, listen to this, with calm courage. Calm courage is the same wisdom Jesus gave the disciples before he sent them out in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. When he said to them, you remember this phrase, be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. You know, this kind of wisdom involves understanding potential danger and avoiding it whenever possible but not in a way that undercuts or undermines the mission at hand. To be wise as a serpent means that you understand what's going on and all of the circumstances that are happening, but never running away from the mission. And this idea of being innocent, this innocence that Jesus is talking about, calls for maintaining an integrity that that is ready to suffer rather than compromise. And you know what? Esther was ready for this. Before Jesus even spoke the words, Esther was practicing them. She didn't want to enter into any danger with the king or Haman. And think about this. She could have triggered Haman to act preemptively against the Jewish people if she would have screamed out to her husband, help me now. But at the same time in her innocence she was truthful in her approach yet aware that she could suffer for going against haman the prime minister remember he was second in command or the king and like i said earlier persecution is a part of the story of the church it's a part of our history it was influential in church growth in the first century and thousands of years later even today christians are being persecuted for their faith in christ Yet Jesus speaks into our persecution when he says in the beginning of the book of Revelation to the seven churches, I encourage you to read them in Revelation chapter 1 to chapter 3. He tells many of the churches there, patiently endure. Keep going despite the persecution that surrounds you. Like Esther, have a calm courage to face the persecution around you. Be aware that you could suffer, but don't compromise your faith continue to persevere and Esther's calm courage paid off during the banquet she called out Haman for his desire to to destroy all the Jewish people in Persia in front of the king Haman would eventually find himself hung on the same gallows that were prepared for the Jewish people we like Esther and the Jewish people will face persecution It happens to many believers in some form or fashion because deep down, remember, persecution is a spiritual issue. Satan seeks to destroy what God values. Persecution can often produce fear. I understand. I'm scared of persecution too, but I want to encourage you. Maybe you've been positioned where you are for such a time as this, and if this is true, wherever you are, patiently endure as Jesus says, and have that calm courage like Esther to persevere. The story of Purim is the story of God's providence over Haman's persecution of the Jewish people and Esther's calm courage to persevere in order to save her people. And just when it seems like there's no hope, God is present and working even when his name is never mentioned.
1: Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher.
2: One week a neighbor came to my home to confront me about my faith in Christ. He was not friendly and sure he could outsmart me. He began to insult me and then he asked, "What is the greatest wisdom on earth?" Since you say you worship God, tell me what the Bible says. I replied, You call yourself a good man who worships the Lord. You tell me what the Bible says. But I want you to give me the answer, he said. What does God want us to do? I told him I would indeed answer him from the Bible, and I said, You spend your life reading fictitious stories composed by rabbis rather than following God's word. You think you are wise, but you are far from faith in the Lord. He said, I know you believe in this one. He met Jesus. Soon his friends arrived. Now he was even more confident. One asked, "'Show us about whom you have believed. "'Is he mentioned in the Bible?' "'Ah, now we have come to an important point,' I said. "'And I read to them from Isaiah 53. "'But he was wounded for our transgressions, "'he was bruised for our iniquities, "'the chastisement for our peace was upon him, "'and by his stripes we are healed.' Immediately, they all began jumping up and down. One demanded, Where is this written in the Bible? You've made this up. If our rabbis were here, they would put you in your place. I answered, I did not write the Bible. Read this for yourself. I handed them my Bible. So they began to read, and they began to open their eyes and with time their hearts. After a while, one said, "'You must be a man of wisdom. "'So do you have a good answer for us about wisdom?' "'My answer is also from the Bible,' I replied. "'So I read, "'The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom.' "'They asked me many questions "'and wanted to know where I learned about faith. "'I told them I read the Bible. "'And because I know the Lord, "'I am full of wisdom and try to do His will.' I also told them he told his servants, Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. And then they became angry and hostile. But people who believe in this one, as you do, are no longer Israelis and have no right to be here. Is that so? You say you are such faithful Israelis... "'Have you fought for this country in all the many wars we have had? "'Did you fight in the War of Independence in 1948?' "'Of course, none of them fought in any wars, "'because the ultra-Orthodox do not join the military. "'I suppose you will tell us you took part in all those wars,' one said sarcastically. "'So I showed them my army papers. "'Then they began to listen more intently and— asked many questions. And they also wanted to know how I came to know Jesus as my Savior. So I opened my Bible and taught them about the one who was wounded for their transgressions. We had a long conversation. It was a big surprise and a welcome one.
1: As we close, I'd like to remind you once more about Bruce Scott's book, The Feasts of Israel. Visit foiradio.org to purchase your copy. That's foiradio.org. You can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Or you can write to us at FOIRadio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Galeone, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.